Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Calling all Gleeks. I'm Kevin McHale. And I'm Jenna Ushkowitz. We became best friends on the set of Glee. And now we're doing the Glee recap podcast you have been waiting for. How romantic. Each week we'll take you behind the scenes. Spill all the Glee tea. And break down episodes from season one with former cast, crew, producers, and writers that brought the show to life. I think everyone needs a little more tardy in their lives. Get new episodes of Showman's every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and PodcastOne.com. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave. You said that. I didn't say that. This is Dan Patrick. Uh, made it to a Friday. It's a Traeger Mead Friday at that. Come on in. Stay a while. Seton, Paulie, Fritzie, McLovin, yours truly. Make up the Dan Patrick Show. Say good morning to our radio affiliates. Also our TV partners. Audience, Channel 239, Direct TV, and BR Live. Got a poll question. Got a stat of the day. Play of the day. All of that coming up. The Astros' apology tour got off to a bumpy start yesterday in Florida. We spent a large portion of the show on that, mainly because we were absolutely stunned that they had this much time to prepare for that day and failed miserably. Starting with the owner, Jim Crane, he contradicted himself all over the place. Then the team trots out Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. They were on the dais for 90 seconds. Then the players in the clubhouse, you know, they probably did a little bit better. Carlos Correa did a pretty good job, but uh, there's no easy way out. The Astros were caught in a big way, although their owner said, we didn't cheat, we just broke some rules. Hmm. The best strategy would have been just admit it, move on. Uh, The players tried to do that. Some did and sound a little more respectful than others, but the general rule in sports has always been, in my 40 years of doing this, the cover-up is often worse than the crime. Now, the crime's pretty bad here. The cover-up is catching up with the crime. The team's indirect responses caused even more doubt. There's a lot of speculation they did more than we know. And I believe that that's the case. Because they don't get around to saying, we didn't use buzzers. We just, they said, well, the commissioner didn't find anything there. Mm. You know, that's the goal for them not to find anything hey, we were really obvious in how we were cheating with the garbage can. We were really sneaky with the buzzers. I still go back to that Jose Altuve video when you just won the American League Championship Series. You just homered off Araldis Chapman, and you're rounding third, heading for home, and you're covering up. Hey, don't rip my jersey. My wife doesn't want me half naked on TV. Meanwhile, the Instagram photos where he's got his shirt off at the beach, he doesn't feel like he's too embarrassed to do that. But, hey, don't rip off the jersey. No, don't do it. Then you you just hit one of the biggest home runs in baseball history. You're grabbing your uniform. Everybody knows, apparently, what's with that uniform. Hey, don't rip that off. Don't rip that off. Then he goes into the clubhouse and changes into a T-shirt. Okay, What a coincidence there. The Astros hoped that this was the beginning of the end of that scandal. After yesterday, I think it's pretty clear the drama is far from over. Now, you had some players who had some things to say. Garrett Cole, he's the now Yankee star pitcher. He was with the Astros, and he had this to say yesterday. Uh, I haven't gotten any vibes like that. I mean, certainly... uh, um... 
you know, these are my teammates, so we'll have many conversations along the way. And if that happens to be one of them, I mean, I, I'll just give them an honest answer, which is you know, I, I had no idea of any of it going on, and I didn't see any of it. And and so um, you know, I, I don't certainly really don't think I have much to apologize for. So, Okay, so he didn't know what was going on, which is possible. But his fellow star pitcher, Justin Verlander, did. Yeah, I mean, it's been difficult showing up in, in, in 2017. And, you know, once, uh, once I spent some time there, understood what was, what was happening, uh, I wish I had said more. You know, looking back, I, I, can't go, I can't go back. I can't reverse my decision. Uh, you know, like I said, I wish I had said more, and I didn't. And for that, I'm sorry. Yeah, but he's also a guy who's called out other teams for cheating and never shied away from that. I was just disappointed it took this amount of time and that's all you got from the Astros. Did I mean, they didn't really apologize to baseball. I mean, they're using semantics here. Hey, we broke rules. We didn't cheat. Mm, I'm going to guess if you check the definition, if you break the rules, it may feel like you're cheating. But, you know, the Astros, if they think this is going away, not going away. I, I'm, I was just perplexed that this is what they gave us, having this much time. And you have crisis management teams who will come in and say, hey, this is not, I don't know if they use this, but if you're going to have a lawyer who's preparing his client, you go over what are the questions that can be asked and how are we going to answer them? That's just simple. And you had weeks to do this, months to do this, and that's what you gave us. Jim Crane, the owner, should have just read a statement. I mean, I hey, gave me great radio content yesterday for a couple hours, but it was sad to see that. Really was. And then he's saying, hey, it didn't have an impact. And then he, he follows up by saying, uh, I never said that. And then he doubles down on that. And it, it just, that was poorly, poorly planned. Uh, but there'll be, there'll be more information that comes out here. This isn't going away. It's just, it's not because now you have baseball, you have fan bases, the media that didn't get answers yesterday. In fact, gave us more questions. And do I have questions about the buzzer? I do. Because nobody said, I, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels like nobody comes out and says, we absolutely positively weren't using buzzers. It's the commissioner's office or baseball did not find any evidence. Yeah, Paul. Do you think Commissioner Manfred is sitting there today wishing he had punished more or punished differently the Astros organization, maybe the players themselves, instead of doing a deal with the MLBPA, based off what he saw the past few days? He should have waited. Like, they're waiting for the Red Sox. We're waiting for that punishment. And from what we've been told, the Red Sox did far less than what the Astros did. I, I would have vetted this even more. Now, he might say, look, we, we talked to all the players. We gave them immunity. We looked through all the emails. Now, all of a sudden, the Wall Street Journal comes out and says, hey, the GM who got fired knew about this. Code breakers. They, they had a system in place there. Like these are, it feels like there's more that's going to come out now. Because those players who aren't on the Astros, who are on other teams, might find religion and say some more things here. Or they might leak something to somebody that, hey, you guys should check into this. It's not, it's not over. Did the Astros make things worse or, or way worse? <laughs> That's a poll question from McLovin. Uh, 
They made it way worse. They did. They did. And I think baseball, you know, baseball doesn't want to find this out. I mean, keep that in mind. The commissioner is hired by the owners. Jim Crane is one of his bosses. Like you, you don't want this to be bad. But if you look back on this, you had a pitcher, Mike Fires, who uh, was a former pitcher with the Astros. He's the one that started this, aptly named Fires, as he lights the match to this and tells Kenny Rosenthal, and then all of a sudden this explodes. It just feels like now... And I always go back to Tiger Woods. Nobody said anything publicly about Tiger Woods until everybody started talking about Tiger Woods, and then it was open season. Like, you just wait, and you go, wait, did, did, he, did he say that? What did he say? Oh, he, oh, he did? Oh, okay. And then somebody says something, because now they feel like, hey, I'm allowed to because somebody else did. It feels like that's what's happening with the Astros. You're going to get some players who are going to say some other things. And I think the fact that they didn't really take ownership of this. I mean, I, I just remorse. And I once again, I go back to Carlos Correa. I thought he did a pretty good job. I, it felt like he was a little more open mic night. And, and that's all. We're not taking away your title unless if the buzzers were actually used. Then I think the commissioner can go back and say, guys, I tried to help you out here, but you lied to me. Now I'm taking away your title. Yes, he. But is that because you think using the buzzers is so much worse, or more that it's a mulligan for the commissioner to be like, "Well, I probably didn't do this right the first time, but now I get a second chance to do it." Well, if you lied to him, he gave you total immunity. But if you lied to him, now mm. he's embarrassed. Now he's got to go. I'm sorry, guys. I I'm, I'm going to hit you hard here. Gotcha. I mean, that's how Roger Goodell works. If you lie to him, and then he finds out, then he comes back, and then he's really going to bang you. Yeah, Paul. And usually it's new evidence. If you remember, you know, I know this is a complete apples and oranges, but Ray Rice was completely punished for the incident that happened uh, in the hotel, but before they had video. And then he, he had gone to a diversion program. He had served his punishment, his fine, all that stuff. But then when the video from TMZ came out, they repunished him and suspended him for the season because Roger Goodell said, we have new evidence, and that opens it up. This program brought to you by True Car. Car shoppers can save an average of over $3,500 off the MSRP. See what other people paid for the vehicle you want with the new True Car. Buy smarter, drive happier. What kind of poll question are you going to go with, McLevin? So you got kind of asked the question, but do you think MLB has really discovered everything the Astros did, yes or no? No. What do you think the public thinks? I, I think no. they're right with you. No. That seems like a problem for baseball. Oh, it is because, you know, you want to know what you're watching is real. And then you have an owner who says it didn't impact the games. And then you have him saying, we didn't cheat. We broke a rule. I, he can't do anything to Jim Crane but um, because he's his boss. I mean, he can, but I mean, I don't know if Jim Crane earned a suspension yesterday with those comments. But if I'm the commissioner... Man, I can't be happy with what I heard yesterday. And, you know, poor Dusty Baker. They trot him up there because, you know, everybody loves Dusty. And, you know, after Bregman and Altuve said what they said, and then all of a sudden Jim Crane, of all people, should have read a statement, not, you know, taking questions. Because these reporters are, all of a sudden, you know, they smell blood, boom, they're going, wait, wait, wait. Jim, you said that they 
These, it didn't impact the game? No, I never said that. Uh, yeah, you did. You did say that. So if, if I'm looking at from top down with, these, with the team, I start with Jim Crane. There's my problem. And then a GM who, if you said it didn't impact games, why did you fire your, your manager? They could have just been suspended. Lunau and Hinch could have kept their jobs, right? I, if I'm those guys, I say, well, wait a minute here. Was I wrongfully terminated? If, if this didn't impact the games, then why am I fired here? Yeah, Paul. What was interesting, I was watching MLB Network yesterday, and all the local beat reporters for different teams were going to uh, spring training and asking other head- hitters in other teams, how can you say that getting the signs ahead of time, knowing the pitch ahead of time, does not help? And you can see these batters like, I don't know if I can roll with that, man. If I knew the signs, oh my God, I couldn't imagine what I would do in the batter's box. I just think there's more there. Yeah, McLovin. Another poll question. Is there any team you want to go see a game more than the Astros? <laughs> the Astros? <laughs> I, I'll tell you right, I would love to go see that. Just everybody banging oh. stuff and going nuts. It's like a Duke ACC game. Yes. Yeah, yeah, over under on hit by pitches this year for the Astros. <laughs> well, I was told this yesterday by source that the commissioner is already, like he's ready to warn all of these teams to like the, he's issuing a warning before any games are played. Like he's telling both sides, Hey, you know what? We're going to run you. If somebody's throwing, we think you're throwing because this is going to happen. If you're one of these pitchers who got roughed up by the Astros and you get to face them again, and they've shown very little remorse, you're probably going to have some shots to the backside there or in the ribs or at least buzz the tower. Yeah, Paul. I know this is a negative for baseball now, but if baseball could somehow get Yankees, Astros in the ALCS and Astros, Dodgers in the World Series, that would be perfection. Perfection. I don't think there's a better combo this year. Yes, McLovin. Is it a negative, though? This is, I mean, there is no way baseball would be on the agenda today. Just like Deflategate kept the NFL in the headlines for two years. I know, but... I go back to when people say any publicity is good publicity is usually the person who is not involved in the situation. This isn't good for the Astros. Now, you might say, well, we're talking baseball, but we're not talking positively about baseball. But we all want to watch the Astros. We all want to go to Astros games. It's going to How be long a... is that going to dissipate? How no, long? you're right. I mean, hey, we're going to watch one game. Or well, they don't play the Yankees till September. They'll definitely be the number one road attendance team. I mean, there's... Probably by far, I would think, unless the Yankees. But what are you showing up to see? You're showing up to, to make fun of them. Yeah. And like, like uh, remember how people used to make fun of J.J. Redick at basketball games? Like, yeah. it's going to be like that kind of fun, creative way. There's minor league teams already doing things all over the place, handing out mini trash cans. And I, you know, this sympathy tour that the Yankees are on, that can end too. All right. You, you guys had Brian McCann and Carlos Beltran on your team. And you probably employed a couple of steroid users down down through the years. So let's stop with that. Oh, woe is me. All right, you lost. But, you know, I can also look at this and say, how many times did the Astros pitching staff shut you down? That had nothing to do with stealing signs. If I just look at, did you hit against the Astros pitchers? Because that's a fair question to ask. This isn't just they beat you, you know, 15 to 9 because they knew all the pitches that were coming. 
how many times did you not do anything against their pitching staff? And I don't know what the Yankees hit against the Astros or what the Dodgers hit against the Astros, but I'm guessing that pitching staff was pretty good. And that didn't have anything to do with what pitches they were stealing. Yes, Todd. I'm curious with Major League Baseball and freedom of speech with whatever signs are going to be coming for the road games for the Astros. Is that something Major League Baseball would like or dislike? Where on one hand they would like it because it really sets the message that's what you get for cheating or it's just going to keep perpetuating something they want to go away seeing these signs all year for Astro Road Games. Oh, well, they can go in and take out a sign if they think it's inappropriate. Yeah, Paul. I checked most MLB uh, places. They don't let you bring in anything bigger than like a placard. You know, you can't bring in it like it's not college game day. You can't do a here. banner. No, you're, you're not going to bring in something four feet by four feet. You're going to have to get creative to bring that in. All right, we'll take a break here. We'll come up with a poll question. Phone calls are always welcome, 877-3DP-SHOW. Did the Astros make things worse or way worse? Also, uh, Miles Garrett sits down with ESPN's Mina Kimes and is not budging off what Mason Rudolph said to him during that game with the Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll play a portion of that interview coming up, and you can be the judge. It's coming up on 18 After the Hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Once again, it's Geico Easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. NBA All-Star Weekend festivities. Pascal Siakam, the uh, Raptors forward. What is he, Spicy P, McLevin? Spicy P. Spicy P. His game jo- is spicy. He'll uh, join us uh, coming up a little bit later on. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Zion did it again. Had another impressive performance here. And... I thought that John Morant would be your runaway rookie of the year, even if Zion came back. But we looked at the fewest games a rookie has played and won the award, not a strike-shortened season or a lockout. I think Patrick Ewing played 50 games his rookie season. And uh, I think that's the fewest games a rookie has ever played to win the uh, rookie of the year honors. Zion scored 32 last night. That comes after scoring 31 in his previous game. He's the fourth teenager in NBA history to record consecutive 30-point games. The only players younger were LeBron James and Devin Booker. And if you look at his shot chart, remember he started 4-for-4 four four from three-point range? He hasn't made one since. But you look at his shot chart, and it's just one big look-like ink spot <laughs> right by the basket. That's it. That's his game. It's inside, and it's just power. But uh, pretty impressive pretty impressive performance there. Yes, McLovin. How do you cover him? Do you stay off of him, or do you crowd him? Or Well, he, he's great in transition. Yeah. It feels like he can get 10 points every night just on transitional plays. But he, he invites contact. So he's going to go into you. It's sort of like James Harden invites contact. Zion does that, but he does it inside. And it feels like if I can, if I provide the contact, if I initiate, then I can move you where I want to move you as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, McLeod. It's like Giannis. If you give him a five-yard cushion, 
and he's coming at you like a, tr- a freight train, and you can't stop him. Zion Williamson has 148 points in the paint this season. That's the most through a player's first 10 games in his career over the last 20 years. Uh, he's averaging 15 points in the paint. That's third highest in the NBA. Now, granted, that's not what the NBA is nowadays, but Zion Williamson is taking advantage of the position now or the positionless center. Uh, you know, he's going inside and he's not afraid to go inside against these players. Yeah, Paul. McLovin before the show was saying that Zion's having one of the best, if not the best, rookie season of all time. But you almost have to put a line around 2000. The one and done era started then because all the rookies before 2000 were guys who played two or three or four years in college, like Steve Francis, Vince Carter, Tim Duncan, Allen Iverson, Kidd, Weber, Shaq, et cetera, et cetera. They played at least two years. Then after 2000, most of the rookies of the year are one and done guys or from high school. So they're two different eras. So, McLovin, you think that uh, Zion, is, well, it is one well, of the great starts. I was actually thinking since LeBron, but Le, kind of probably as a point, LeBron's numbers aren't that great as a rookie because he was only 18. But let's see, like Shaq was 23.4 points a game as a rookie, and he was 20. So, like, yeah, those guys were good. But even those guys' numbers, they're not, like, efficient. Like, like Zion can't miss a shot. It's weird. <laughs> those guys were a little, little slower. But then again... It, you know, Zion's halfway through the season. We'll see how he does, if he can keep this up. Well, he's got over 200 points through 10 career games. And over the last 30 years, you got only uh, one or no, two un- former number one overall picks, Allen Iverson and Shaq, who were able to do that through their first 10 games. So he's in some pretty lofty company there. Uh, and it's been very impressive because he doesn't have a signature move. And he, he doesn't have a, a, a knockdown jump shot. He, he's a little tentative with taking that jumper. But until somebody is able, and, and that's what's going to be hard. I, I would double team him every time he gets the ball. Like I would just have two guys go or, or have some help and just go after the ball. Like just try to get him to pick up his dribble and pass it. Because Lonzo Ball's man is normally trying to double team Zion. And if, if I'm a team trying to shut him down, I got to double team him and make him pick up his dribble and hopefully he passes the ball. Yeah, McLovin. I'm also interested. There's so many good players on that team. There's uh, Drew Holiday's really good. Uh, Reddick's really good. Brandon Ingham's really good. But when Zion's on the court, they all seem to fade a bit. Like, I don't know. Is there chemistry there? I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how. Josh Hart, we were talking about before, Joe. He's a really good player. Yeah, but they played 40 games without him. Yeah. They played 10 games with him. I think that's just... We, we know that he has yeah. a willingness to pass. Right. And we saw that at Duke, that he enjoyed when his teammates did well. But I think it's just trying to figure out who he is, what he is, and what he needs when he's on the floor. And then now, how do you complement that? Because if that's your focal point, now how do you complement your main character there? And I think that'll be the key here. Uh, you know, him coming back, and I had my doubts on that when Reggie Miller and I spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. Was he going to be healthy? Was he going to play tentative? And now looking at it, it feels like he's, you know, kind of feeling himself out still with his knee. But it's to get to know his teammates. So when you go into next season, you've already got a pretty good sample size of. We know each other. We know what we need. And this allows the Pelicans to go, what do we need to add here? Because that's the key. We know what we have, our nucleus here. You know, Lonzo Ball is playing well. Ingram's playing well. You got Zion in there. 
Holiday, it feels like, will be with another team for some reason next year. Is Josh Hart able to step up and, and be that guy? And you're going to get a draft pick here. So what are you going to add to this team? If you don't make the playoffs, that's fine. But, you know, I think that there's some fun times there with this team and what they're doing and how they're doing it. But it's just getting to know Zion. With somebody who takes up that much room and plays down low, you want to make sure you put him in a position to succeed. Not just, hey, go in there and rebound. You know, you want to have featured plays for him. And what is that play that you have for him? But I, I would spread the floor and not allow somebody to double team him. Because when he gets inside, if he doesn't make the first shot, he's so quick with that second shot, he's going to either score or get fouled or both. Yeah, Paul. So Zion's 19 years old, played one year of college. He's averaging, averaging 22 points, seven rebounds, two assists. Just a comparison here. Kevin Durant's first year, he played one year at Texas. He's a different type of player. He's much skinnier. But his first year, he played 80 games for Seattle. He averaged 20 points, four rebounds, and two assists. Yeah. And he wasn't even that much of a three-point shooter. He only shot a few threes, and he was 28%. But then two years later, he led the NBA in scoring. Two years later. Well, the one thing about Durant was people worried about if he was going to get roughed up. He was really, really thin. But he was an unbelievable shooter. I mean, that's, that's the difference. I had a seven-footer who had a handle and had great range. Zion's a mismatch, but inside. And he's going to have to, and granted, he will, but he's going to have to bring his game out. All of these big guys, if you look at them, they bring their game out a little bit. The, the new era of the big man is bringing his game out further and further and further. And that's what Zion's going to have to do. He'll have to have a comfortable 15 to 18 foot jumper that that he takes and doesn't hesitate on. He doesn't have to shoot the three, not anytime soon, but that's what Durant was able to do. I mean, once Durant, we realized, could handle, you know, the contact with the NBA and last for 82 games, then it was just a question of him finding his rhythm, and then he was unstoppable. Yes, McLevin. By the way, they also have this kid, Jackson Hayes. He's a center. Yeah, I like him. He's pretty good, too. He's out of Texas, right? Yeah, he's yeah. a rookie. He's 19, yeah. 6, 11. Yeah. They have all these pieces, but T, by the way, new, how about Jason Tatum? This I was going to bring that up. I'm Whoa. just going to bring that up. I knew. I could tell that you were thinking about Jason Tatum, your guy. Jason Tatum is, you know, we, we sort of, you know, he, he came onto our radar and we went, oh, my God, he's really good. And then, you know, they played a couple of seasons or he's played a couple of seasons and then you sort of forget about it. Jason Tatum at 39 against the Clippers in Kawhi last night. He has been great this year and taken that next step. He had, he's had eight 30-point games this season. That's, what's, that's where they're dangerous here. Now, he's 21. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like Jason Tatum has been in the league for, you know, four years? <laughs> yeah, he's a veteran. He's, he's 21, and he's putting up numbers. He's up to almost 23 points a game. Seven rebounds, three assists, a little bit of everything. He's and and he's got range already, and now he's giving you inside outside game. And Jason Tatum, you know, I think I think he gets lost in the shuffle here with all these great young players. Keep in mind the Celtics traded down to get him. That was the Markel Fultz trade. Deep. And I, I, you know, and McLovin, of course, a seventy-sixer apologist, and having you know, getting the number one pick, and I go, you took the wrong guy. Are you kidding me? I was a, I went to the top of that tower with William Penn over Philadelphia and said, do not take Markel Fultz, yeah. take Jason Tatum. Yeah, 
Hey, but that was Colangelo. That was not Sam Hinkie. I know. But that, that was not the process guy. That was the word leading up to the draft is I always look for who's rising, you know, who's, who's going up. And then it was like Tatum's the best player in the draft. And I, and somebody who said it, so I was like, how can you say that? He goes, watch. <laughs> he's the best player in the draft. I go, okay. He goes, Markel Folds, if he's going number one and his team won nine games in the Pac-12, I said, well, I watched him. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. Jason Tatum is going to be great. And I go, all right. And then I broke the news to McLove and I said, man, did you guys screw up? Well, how did you? How can you say? I said, I'm just telling you what I've been told. And then all of a sudden, we started to watch that unfold. It was like that didn't take long for McLovin to go. Yeah, we picked the wrong guy. Uh, in, interesting All Star Game format, and it was brought up uh, by a uh, former University of Dayton student, Nick Elam. He's a Ball State University professor. So the All Star Game is going to have a new twist, new scoring system, and it was created by him. Uh, the league unveiled this. It's called the Elam Ending, and they unveiled this. I don't know if everybody knows what's going on with this. I think with what happened with Kobe, uh, you know, just following the NBA towards the All-Star break, uh, that people may not know what this Elam Ending is. So what this is, is uh, and when he was a student at the University of Dayton, he uh, was looking at you know, basketball games, and of course, at the end of a game, it can be, you know, interminably long with all the fouls and timeouts and, uh, you know, stoppage. So what's going to happen at the beginning of the fourth quarter, the game clock will be turned off and a final target score will be set in the All-Star game. So you're going to have some drama there where you have, it'll come down to you have to get to this point total and it's going to be, I think, what they're doing is, the final target score will be determined by taking the leading team's total cumulative score through three quarters and then adding 24 points to that, the 24 representing Kobe Bryant's jersey number uh, for the final 10 seasons of his career. The teams will then play an untimed fourth quarter. First team to reach the final target score will win the NBA All-Star game. So it's kind of interesting here uh, what they're doing. We've all watched games where... There's 30 seconds to go, and you could come back 15 minutes later, and you know there's like seven seconds to go. A lot of timeouts, fouls, those kind of things. But you know this is something that you know the NBA decided to adopt. I don't know if we'd ever get to the point where at the end of three quarters you go, you have some formula where you say first team to this total wins. I don't think that they'll do that, but. Imagine taking that out of the equation where you're going to have less timeouts. I, I know that you know these network executives and advertisers are going, no, no, we need those commercials. We need the commercial inventory here. But it can be painful to watch. It feels like they've taken away timeouts from coaches, but they never run out of timeout. When did, when's the last time you, you watched an NBA game or a college game and you go, oh, they're out of timeouts? Like they're never out of timeouts. It feels like you could just say, hey, can I get another timeout? Yeah, sure. Take a couple of them there. Yeah, Todd. And then if they ran out of timeouts, they'd find some convenient way. All of a sudden, someone's ankle is hurt, like, like they've done in football, where all of a sudden someone just falls down on the field, whatever they can do to stop the clock briefly. Yeah, they never run out of timeouts. But, you know, it hurts the game because you can watch a game, and there's flow to the game. And then you watch at the end of a game, it takes away everything that happened for the first three quarters. You know, the, the first... 80% of the game. And then all of a sudden it just slows down and then it's boring. 
And I like that they're trying this. You know, give it a shot. See how it how it feels watching a game where there is there is an ending. You have to get to that point total first, not just you know, there's no more time on the clock. Yeah, Paul. Or you could do it like soccer. The score's 94, 92 late in the game. All of a sudden, you don't know when the game's going to end. The clock just goes into stoppage time, and the guys are running around. All of a sudden, the ref <laughs> just goes, that's it. Yeah. We're done yeah. in the middle of a play. I would like to see that, too. <laughs> I think that would be fun. Yeah. yeah imagine sure. if they did that in football, the two-minute warning. Actually, it's the 36-second <laughs> warning. You thought you had two minutes, but too bad you just did an out pattern at the mid- midfield. Oh, no. You know what I just got? Can, you, can we get a hint? Valentine's name? Yeah. Knew it. Yeah. Called it. Yeah. Um, I, I, how about you You have to have played after Josh two, Hart. 2000. On the list. <laughs> Darnell Valentine. How about, how about two? They have to have played in 2000. There's Bobby. probably three names maybe on that list at that Bobby point. Bobby Valentine. Yeah, I know. Trey Flowers. Jalen Rose. There's some good ones there. Candy Maldonado. <laughs> no, can't use it. Yeah, we, we, we've been down this road. I'll bet you Seton I could give you 90% of them off the top of our head. For some reason, Daryl Strawberry makes it in. Yeah, yeah. chocolate-covered strawberries. Daryl <laughs> Strawberry. You were those that weren't even on the list. How about yeah, that? I know, I know. That's because we heard the year, the list every year for the last 15 years, Todd. It's been the same exact list. Um, <laughs> I got... There's also some questionable ones in the bottom. I got two and a half pages here. All right. Well, next segment. Trey, 1-800-Flowers. Get Run them all down. Yeah. Oh, God. There's some tough ones here. All right. All right. We'll do it. All right, Todd? Why not? I will hold off my Miles Garrett story and some of the sound from his interview with Mina Kimes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to postpone that. Wow. Not, bumping that story. I'm going to bump it. Well, I just, let's get this out of the way. <laughs> we'll just get it out of the way. These are, well, we'll take a break here. Uh, I got to sort through this because. Uh, and I have to share with Paulie because the third page, I need to know if those are all off limits or any of those could be used. I, I can't have anybody be involved in this. Like, you're going to take the heat, okay? Yeah. You, I, get, you get all of the compliments if they're good, but I, we need to distance ourselves. But there's from, a few I definitely can't use. Yes, right? I'm looking at the third page. But some are, or some are maybe, though. You're, these are just. Oh, my God. What is going actual, on? In, actual names. No, of, of no, 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 no. They're not actual names of, of players. What is going on in your mind? I don't know. I got some issues. But here's a day where you get a chance to you know, get a little therapy going. All right. We got our play of the day coming up, and then we got the Valentine's Day sports names. Well, the good part is Todd didn't email it, so it's not any type of violation. Uh, <laughs> no paper trail. Nah, well, no. there is a paper trail. Oh, no. It's right, right here. <laughs> it's right here. Cover up source in the crime. You yeah. just throw that right in the suggestion <laughs> box and no one has to see it. Take a break here. Play of the day coming up in Todd's Valentine's Day sports names. What could go wrong? Welcome to Lewis Jewelers. Since 1921, Lewis Jewelers have taken pride in serving the greater Ann Arbor and Detroit regions with the highest level of integrity and customer service. Lewis Jewelers is family-owned, third-generation, full-service jewelry store with a truly personal touch. They offer on-site repairs, engravings, watch repairs, and access to many of the worldwide top designer brands from Hearts on Fire Diamonds, Robert Coyne, John Hardy Jewelry, to Omega, Breitling, Tag Heuer Watches, just to name a few. 
And if you're looking for a truly stress-free shopping experience, their team of non-commissioned trusted expert advisors will guide you through the perfect engagement ring, anniversary gift, or sparkly accessory. They also specialize in custom jewelry for anyone who wants to add something unique to their personal style. Located on West Stadium Boulevard in Ann Arbor, just one mile west of the big house, Lewis Jewelers is the only jewelry store that is the proud partner of Michigan Athletics. So stop by today to let Lewis Jewelers help celebrate your moments. Lewis Jewelers, your diamond store, and so much more for almost 100 years. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the support this podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course, supporting. And now back to the show. Oh my God. The play, the play, is the play. of the day. This is the play of the day. Check this out. Tiger Woods. Got the shadow right on top of his golf ball, an opening eagle attempt that will go right to left. 25 feet down the hill very quick. It's got to bend a little bit, and it's bending. And the early fist bump. The eagle has landed at the first for Tiger Woods. Little Steve Miller band. Fly like an eagle. Tiger also had a putt on the eighth hole, I believe, at Riviera. That was 24 feet, 8 inches. And as he remarked, Kobe Bryant's two numbers there and gave a Kobe tribute on that hole. That's a curi- uh, courtesy of Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, our play of the day. Play of the day brought to you by Tacovas. Listen up, guys. Tacovas boots are handmade, full-grain leathers, world-class boot makers, and they cut out the middlemen, sell directly to you at amazing prices. Shipping, returns, exchange are free and easy. Visit Tacovas, T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com slash D-P. Tacovas, Western Goods. For New Frontiers. All right. You didn't ask for it, but you got it. <laughs> I had Paulie go in and edit some of the names that had uh, sexual innuendos with uh, Valentine's Day sports names. So, yes, Paulie. I, I went through them, and I X'd out eight of the ten that were questionable. And Todd went through some of the ones I X'd out. He goes, is this really wrong? He really doesn't know that they're wrong. So you can't blame him if he says them, which he won't be saying. He does not know they're wrong to say on air. He's not aware that they're that's wrong. That's scary. Yes, that's the point. But then what happens is I get the uh, the tweets and the social media, where can I find the uh, unapproved list? And I, I don't even know if I can post that anywhere because it's still That's correct. It's still tied to us, you know. How about w- wait till we leave AT&T? That's fair. Okay. So or we can leave AT&T today and yeah. read the list. <laughs> yeah. They might expedite this. <laughs> All right, Todd, your Valentine's Day sports-related names. All right, we could have done Bobby or Denzel, but I went with Ellis Valentine, our, one of our favorite expos back in the day. Oh, we got the Hall & Oates music going. That's, uh, kiss on my list on Valentine's Day. Look see? At, see, see who's making it that? happen. This is far better than anything I'm going to read. Hall uh, and sowing your oats on uh, Valentine's Day. All right, there Day. you go. Right. Okay. Um, Kevin Love, Pete Rose, Louis Lips. Old Steeler, Louis Lips. I know that's before 2000. We got it. All right, Larry Flowers. Here's one. Jose Cardinal. How about somebody who played card, recently? Like a Valentine's card. That's Jose creative. Cardinal. That's creative. <laughs> that's the first one that's creative. Uh, Chocolate Thunder, Daryl Dawkins. Once again, nobody in the 2000s. Daryl Dawkins? Everyone knows the guy. I that know, broke but. Ask it. John Hallmark. Whatever you got to do. That's not bad. Let's go. D'Angelo Hallmark. All right, Walter Sweetness Payton. Once again. Yeah. Back in the 70s. Samari role play. 
Okay, I'm okay with You're that. Okay with that. Uh, it's a hyphen. I know. I took liberties a little. Paulie bit. actually xed that out, and he you did. still read it. I did. <laughs> I said, "Really, Samari role playing?" I'm like, "I come on." He gave, we we winked at each other. And, You're good. Okay, King Rice. Like when you have little nicknames for each other. Like no, little, no, little, that's the not. King. That's horrible. No. So I can't do Prince of Mukamara. No, that's not okay. any good. Right. That would be like if it was Royal David. No. Okay. All right, Josh Hart, that was said earlier. Yeah. Jimmy Sexton, remember the old Astro infielder turned sports agent? <laughs> that, Jimmy that's, Sexton. That's funny. Or you could have used Colin Sexton, who plays now. I guess, but Jimmy Sexton, well, finally played for the Astros, which is kind of a Let's topical. go. All right, Candy Maldonado. No, terrible. Ron Darling. It's Okay. Will Kiss, Raiders PR director. Shout out to the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> He's helped us get many Raiders on the show. His name is Will Kiss. God bless him. He's the head of PR for the Raiders. Sometimes we throw in a writer. Or I a, got or a it. PR Move guy. on. All right, Bob Huggins. Huggins. Okay. All right, Huggy All right. Bear. All right. Angel Cordero or Angel Cordero Jr., the uh, jockey. Angel. I, I know. That's, My little angel, the I Cupid know. guy. Okay. Honey Badger. All right. Not his real name, Tyron Magic. Lee Lacey. Nobody. No, Lee on. Lacey <laughs> was a great player. Eddie Pirates, Lacey. Dodgers. Yeah, how long ago? Like the exactly. 70s, early 80s. Uh, Tyrell Smoochie Wallace from Key and Peele. <laughs> He's not a real guy. He's not a real player. He, he is to us. Uh, you know, we've played that many times. We love Key and Peele. Smoochie Wallace. All right, go. Okay, Reggie Tongue. That's fair. That's okay. Okay. Get the body part. Let's, you know, let's loosen up a little bit. Paul EX that one out, but you went there. <laughs> but if you're going to do Reggie Tongue, then you have to do Frenchie Fuqua because they kind of go together. Okay, former steel. Think about it. That's, I don't have to think okay, about Bo it. Okay, Bo Jackson, B E A U. Bo Jackson. No, that's horrible. Okay. Rick Sweet. Sweet candy, Rick Sweet. Got it. Okay. Uh, Big Poppy. Enough said. Big Poppy. That has nothing to do with Valentine's Day. I wished my wife would call me that. Uh, uh, Dave Bada Bing. Dave Bing, Dave Bada Bing. Sopranos strip club, actually. Dave Bada Bing. All right. All right. Mike Quickie. Mike Quick. (laughs) Mike Quickie. Sometimes you're in a rush. The kids are coming home from school. Eagles. Yeah, beat the bus. You really do. Oh, here they come. Hurry up. Bad. Who's that? Who's that? Outside? Let's go. Okay. Margaret Courtship. <laughs> Margaret Court. Like no, a courtship. no. I know. Orange Crush. I had to get one of mine in. Like a crush. That's a, that's a right. thing. Okay. How about Romantic Gabriel? Roman Gabriel. Romantic <laughs> Gabriel. And you're messed that's up. a stretch. Okay, go. All right. Then I went to the boxing route with some great niggas. Purnell Sweet Pea Whitaker. My little sweet pea. James lights out, Tony. You know what that is, means is when the lights are Is this why we've had no guests the last two days? Yes, because you've I've been working on this. I've had guests this whole wow. week. Wow. Okay. Mike Body Snatcher McCallum. Go get him. Smoking Joe Frazier. Like smoking hot. No, I can't. Riddick Big Daddy Bo. If you're going to do Big Papa, you got to have Big Daddy come over. You're creepy now. Hector Macho Camacho. <laughs> no. No. Jermaine, bad intentions, Taylor. No. It, it's bad val- intentions. It's Valentine's right. Day. There's all kinds of intentions going on. It's over, right? Uh, I have three more. Okay. Uh, I have Maurice Cheeks. A little kiss on the cheek. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's not creepy. A little kiss on the cheeks. Right. Tim Legs Legler. We love Timmy. Tim Greg Legler. Stalker. Yeah. And my last one, Shakespeare, and we're going to go with <laughs> Romeo Cornell. Oh, we all right. want to be romantic. Yeah. Bring in Romeo Cornell for that. Yeah, it sounded like you wanted to be creepy. I um, had a few other ones. No, we no, know that no, can't go. no. Not even that base no. dealer guy. No, no, that is horrible. I really like that one. No, Saints wide receiver. I got a Cardinals space dealer in here. Todd, I'm not saying any names. Yes, McLovin. I don't think Jimmy Sexton, the baseball player, and Jimmy Sexton, the agent, are they two different people? They're two different people. But there was a Jimmy Sexton that was like a second base slash shortstop. I have his baseball card somewhere. Jimmy Sexton. All done. That's it. That's it. And the and the other seven or eight that we can't yeah, say. Yeah, can't say it. Don't even hint about it. Carol Smoochie Wallace. Yeah, got it. 
Another year to wait for these same names. I know you like Somali roleplay. Everyone yeah. chuckled for that one. It was. There were a couple of good ones yeah, in there. A couple, but 88% at least were not so good. It was a stretch. You were like three for 40 from the you field. You bumped the whole Miles Garrett Rudolph, Mason Rudolph for that. I did. I appreciate that. I did. I was thoughtful. All right. Valentine's Day. All right. We'll be back after this. Podcast One has some exciting news. It's official. Our shows are now available on Spotify. And it's free. We want to make it super easy for you and your friends to listen to our podcasts. And joining Spotify allows us to be in even more places for fans to find us. If you're already listening to music on Spotify, you can now listen to our podcasts in the same place. If you're not on Spotify yet, all you have to do is download the free app. That's right. No credit card necessary. And simply search for our shows to start listening. 